Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. It's a special episode. It's a special day for a couple reasons. It's episode 25, anniversary of sorts. I wanted to do something special. So it's full feature-length commentary. Um, got very lucky. Randomness went my way. Wound up with a good movie. Though a bad movie could have been funnier. I don't know. But uh, the uh, It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. A legit classic. Also, it is Valentine's Day. Special for some people. <laughs> some people don't care. That's fine. Uh, we've decided to use our Valentine's Day in the most romantic way possible. Recording a podcast. My guest this evening, as she was way back in episode one, Carrie Claypool. Hi. My love. Happy to be here. Always happy to be with you. I'll see. Aw, aren't we cute? Getting it done. So, if you've never done a single commentary like this before, hopefully you will watch the movie along with us. We have it synced up, ready to go. It's paused at one second on Amazon Prime. There's a bell fading in from the from black. Um... And so uh, that'll be our, our starting point. Hopefully watch along with us. Hopefully this isn't the first time. I mean, I guess I can't assume that everyone has seen It's a Wonderful Life before. I don't know that listening to us would be the best way to watch it for the first time. <laughs> so hopefully you've seen it before. It's a great movie. We were lucky to have gotten it. Um, it says, now rated for drug use, violence, and foul language. I don't remember any of those things necessarily so we'll be on the lookout drug use especially violence i suppose when he boxes that kid's ears but and foul language there's no way this is like rated g well i guess it's non-rated but uh directed by frank capra who this is his biggest movie certainly um but also did it happen one eve or evening at one night i think it's at one evening um mr smith goes to washington mr deeds whatever which is weirdly the one that was remade as an adam sandler movie this has never been remade um that's fine with me it doesn't need to be remade no it does not all right so i think we'll just uh get into it hopefully we don't have too much uh dead air as we just get sucked into watching this good movie but um yeah there we go we'll uh well after one we'll uh we'll go so have have it synced up and hit play on three two one play liberty films They get right into it. We're used to movies now where all the credits are at the end and it's a six or seven minute long ordeal, <laughs> you know? 
but they used to be like they just like 30 seconds of credits at the beginning and you're good to go i suppose there's more people who need to be credited now with as much you know especially like special effects teams and stuff there's always 100 people but yeah this is it's kind of just and they don't they also don't list like every background person and it's kind of just the the big quote-unquote important people and that's good enough for them but it works because you get right into it yeah i like it like it this way bedford falls picturesque little town Oh, the welcome home Harry Bailey sign is in the background, too. Everyone's praying. Yeah, we got a montage of the snowy suburbia. I don't know if it's suburbia. It's a small town. But everyone's praying for George Bailey. There's lots of snow. It's very, it's the, uh, it's kind of that, that's that small town Americana that people think that they wish was still around, like the Norman Rockwell shit that, you know, they actually wouldn't enjoy if it was actually happening <laughs> still. Here we have outer space angels. Yeah, it's an interesting and cheap way, and I don't mean cheap in a, in a derogatory sense, but a cheap way to do, because you could have had, you know, three guys standing on a smoky sound stage with wings on their back having a conversation, but no, it's like a map painting of galaxies in outer space that are blinking as they speak. It's two angels. Joseph and Franklin? Joseph, I get. That's like a Bible name. Franklin, I don't know about. Here comes little star Clarence. He's the guy who's up for the job. He doesn't have his wings yet, so they have to send him to... He's throwing away God's greatest gift. So they can, like, I guess they can sort of see the future or alternate timelines or something, because they know that, like, oh, at 10.45 tonight, this guy's going to jump off a bridge. We need to go save him. They're telling him he'll get his wings if he does a good job with George. First, we better, yeah, we better give you his backstory. also forget or at least i do anyway because i saw this a ton especially when i was a kid but it's been several years since i watched it but you forget how much of this movie is sort of the flashback and the backstory and up to leading up to present day and how little of it is actually the the sort of the this was your life or this is the world without you kind of dark timeline stuff is really only like the last 20 minutes or so 
Oh, these boys, it looks fun sliding down a hill on a shovel. I suppose not everybody could afford the rosebud sled. Well, that works probably better. It seems to. And there goes George and his little brother Harry. It seems that they leave their shovels on the ice so they can see who goes farthest. Yeah, I mean, he, this is a good, like, this is clearly a set, but it's it's a set where they built, like, like it just fell down for real. <laughs> like, they built a little pond and froze it over because these kids are slipping on real ice and they're in real water, but it's obviously not an actual lake, so. Yeah, so it's a pretty good saves set Harry. building. Enders his ear. Oh, and here we see Mr. Potter. HP, I wonder what his first name is. Is he Harry Potter, too? No, oh, I don't know. There's George into the drugstore. I wish I had a million dollars hot dog. I say that occasionally. There's another, we'll get to it later, but there's another quote from Here's this movie that I actually use. say a lot. Here's the drug use. Yeah, I suppose that counts. Mr. Gower, the pharmacist, is getting high on his own supply for some reason. He's assuming, I don't know, laudanum or something. Whatever. But he, uh, yeah, George can't hear out of his one ear because he went in the ice to save his brother. Child labor was just like, because here's like this 11 year old kid just working at a pharmacy, getting people food and drinks and running the cash register, delivering drugs to people. <laughs> he calls her brainless, showing her the National Geographic. Yeah, this kid wants to travel and see the world. Is this the ear you can't hear on? <laughs> what a tricky girl. Yeah, this little girl loves this kid already. And she checked to see which was his bad ear so she could whisper in it that she will love him till she dies. It's a little over the top. She's a dramatic little kid. Oh, Mr. What's his name, Gowan? Yeah, Mr. Gower. Not looking good. He's clearly been crying. He's smoking a cigar. Oh, here's the... But here's why. His son has died of influenza. What year is this again? Oh, this has got to be... Spanish flu time. What did they say? Like 1926 or something? Mm, I thought it was 1919 when it was really bad. It could be 1919. Oh, there he's got capsules to take to a sick kid. Poison. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a bottle clearly marked poison. On one side, but not on the other, so you could easily miss. But, like, why do you have a 
bottle of poison pills in the first place. I suppose, I don't know, I remember reading a short story where someone went to the druggist to get rat poison. So I don't know, maybe they supply rat poison. I think maybe, but it needs to be better marked and the pills need to not look at all similar to actual pills right. that people will take. Well, it looked like it was powder and he was filling the capsules. Yeah. And he's running to his dad at Bailey Bros Building and Loan Association. Yeah, he saw a nice cigarette ad that said, <laughs> go ask your dad. He knows. He's a cute kid, the kid they got playing George. There's all kinds of cute kids in the movie. Yeah. George. So his dad is the president of the building and loan. And there was Uncle Billy there too for a second. With all the strings around his fingers. Yeah, to remind him of stuff, I suppose. Oh, and here's Mr. Potter trying to talk him into foreclosing on people and... Pop Bailey's too, uh... good-hearted to... default people's loans and stuff. Oh, here comes George to his dad's defense. <laughs> Shove this old man. <laughs> I mean, good on you, kid. But... Oh, what's he gonna do? I forgot to even ask him about the poison. Oh, so he didn't deliver it. That's the good news. Here comes the violence. I remember th this scene is one you remember. Little Mary sees the whole thing and his ears bleeding. Oh, he popped him so good. <laughs> I mean, bad. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't your fault, Mr. Gower. They're both crying. That's pretty good he performances. It. Don't hurt my sore ear again. Oh. Here is George all grown up. Probably not as grown up as yeah, so here's Jimmy Stewart. Not Who like went, Yeah, because when they made this he was like thirty-eight. And he's supposed to be what, like right out of high school here? No, I think this or is back from college yeah. or something. And he's getting ready to go to college if I remember correctly. But he's not the incredibly good looking heartthrob. But he's just got such a pleasant face. Yeah, and that charm. He's very much, I mean, obviously, I'm the gazillion 
person on the planet to make this comparison, but it's like Tom Hanks is the same, where he's like America's dad, you know? Like, he's not the best-looking guy in the world, but he's, like, threatening, non, not no. threateningly handsome. Yeah, like, yeah. But super charming and, like... And there's his name on the suitcase. Uh, George Bailey. And you imagine that it's like, if they have skeletons in their closet, they're buried so deep you'll never hear about it. <laughs> like, right. They just, that they're just genuinely, like, good people. I guess I haven't done a, I haven't read a lot about Jimmy Stewart. Maybe he was a secret asshole or something, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think so. so. I wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog. There's Ernie and Bert. Oh, Bert and Ernie. That's okay. You forget that uh, Bert and Ernie the Muppets are named after these guys, the cop and the cab driver from It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and off she walks. She knows they're all watching her. Literally turning heads. But that's what she's like. She's about it, so it's not... <laughs> it's okay, because that's what she's going for. <laughs> He's going to go see what the wife is doing. Oh, funny. Oh, they have help. I forgot. Yeah, it's definitely the what twenties now or thirties. So there's still uh Yeah, there's the black housekeeper or maid, cook, whatever she is. <laughs> they definitely have a comfortable middle class. Lifestyle. It's not a mansion or anything, no. but it seemed to be doing okay. Because <laughs> <clears throat> well, he runs just the building alone. It's not like he's like, like he's not a Mr. Potter. He's not like president of Citibank or some foul creature you know <laughs> yeah just enough hard. to get by but he's more about helping the community uh, talking about mr potter which Some i suppose man. it would be like the like a credit union now yeah probably Is he balancing that on his head? I would drop it instantly. <laughs> so the little brother's graduating from high school. 
George is going off to college. Oh, so now we're getting more of the... Harry's going to work at the building and loan for four years, and then he'll go to college. So George must have been working at the building and loan before going to college. Oh, look, it's a reference to his ear. His dad said something, and he turned his head and asked him to repeat it. and back at the building alone. Well, it's the classic. I mean, you've seen it. I don't think it was first here, but it's certainly, you've seen it in a million other things of, you know, the father wants the son to carry on the family business or whatever, and he's interested in other things. dad is explaining how important it is of the thing that they do for their town. Definitely wanderlust once out of that little town. Yeah, he had it when he was a kid, but that seemed more like, oh, this is a cool place I'd like to visit. Now it seems more like just just anywhere but here, please God. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I know that feeling. That's why I enlisted in the Navy and got out of Bemidji. I had to go. They seem to have, I mean, obviously, it's a very much a product of a time that they have this black woman as their sort of the help. But they seem to have a very, like, she's part of the f family. Yeah. Like, she can, like, bust their balls and, like, joke with them and they, like, roll with it. So it seems like they're, I don't want to say treated well. Like, that doesn't sound great. But you know what I mean? Like... It's like she's a part of their family. Yeah. She's probably seen the boys grow up and everything. So it's probably not, still not an ideal situation, but it's, you know, better off than a lot of ones you'll see. Yeah. In the time period. this dance oh they're talking about the pool under the floor it's very important that they mention that yeah foreshadowing yeah the gymnasium where the dance is has a pool installed under the gymnasium floor under the floor that can open up oh and they're asking him to dance with mary his kid sister And 
He looks across the crowd. He's very tall, Jimmy Stewart is. Yeah. And there she is. So beautiful. They can't take their eyes off each other. And this is Donna Reed. She was, uh, I think, 25 when they made this. So still, that's a pretty, there's still like a 13-year age. Is that Alfalfa again? Yeah, I think it is. It'll be our second because he was in $2 Better too, right? Yep. And Donna Reed had been in stuff, movies and stuff before this and after this, but the Donna Reed, because she got the Donna Reed show, but that was way later. That was like 1958 or something, so it was quite a bit after this. So she maintained, I think this is probably what launched, you know, made her kind of a household yeah. name, but she hung in there and stuck around until she got her own show for quite a number of years. So, And then that was on for like eight years or something, so... What is this dance called? I don't know. Charleston? Jitterbug? Lindy something. The Lindy? Could be. They're leaving space for Jesus. <laughs> I look at him doing that. This is the every white guy at a wedding <laughs> wants to pretend he could dance is doing the Othello, the hands on the legs Jealous? and swapping hands oh, yeah. on the knees thing. Still around. But behind you, that causes the floor to open up. So he's jealous of George. George is dancing with Mary. There's the key that opens the floor. Yeah, but he's risking, like, serious injury to dozens of people just because he is mad that he didn't get to dance with this girl. Like, all those people right there could have fallen and hurt themselves. They don't even notice because their back is turned. Everyone's... Ooh, getting close. They think everyone's cheering for them. <laughs> We must be good. Oh, you can't do that too many more times. Nope, in you go. Ooh. Oh, they keep dancing. Everybody's oh, jumping in. We're getting pushed in. You would never see that today because everybody's got phones in their pockets. Yeah. And also, I've never seen a pool under a floor like that. Me either. So I don't know if that's some shit they made up for this movie or what. <laughs> no, old man, no. <laughs> I hear... <laughs> the Buffalo Gals. 
It's just charming stuff, man. Like it's. It is. <clears throat> you know, and I'm sure there's cynical people that, you know, would like to look at it now and be like, oh, it's so what, you know, whatever. But like, it's fine to just have like. Charming, heartwarming, innocent stuff. I don't know. Like, it's fun. She's 18. She's 25 playing 18. He's 38 playing what? Like, like, he's like 22, probably? Like he's or? four years out of high school, so. Yeah, probably about 22, you're right. <laughs> you may kiss my hand. <laughs> She's pretty on top of her game for an 18 year old. At the time, you know, like, yeah. especially for this little girl that, like, loved him when she was eight years old or something, like. There's that old She's definitely, not stringing him along, but she's definitely running a little game on him. <laughs> They've got someone spying on him. So they're going to break the windows in the house to make a wish. And they're both good shots. his big wish is to get the hell out of here yeah she's good too she's got a good <laughs> arm she's not sharing what she wished for but I have the feeling that the <laughs> their wishes counteract each other <laughs> this guy with the pipe yeah there's a guy across the street not even creeping on him he was just out sitting on his porch but he's bemused by their <laughs> but also he'll lasso her the moon See, this is a good romantic movie for Valentine's Day. <laughs> the guy can't take it anymore. <laughs> Why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? <laughs> he was wasted on the wrong people. I'll show you some kissing that'll put hair on your head. That's funny. And there she goes with the robe left behind. Well, in that guy's defense, he was spouting some bullshit about swallowing the moon and moon weaves are coming, gonna come out of your hair and your toe. Like, that's, <laughs> as far as, like, romantic pickup lines go, it's a weird one. 
She's in the hydrangea bushes. We have had a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> but now he realizes. <laughs> so even this, like this, uh, uh, maybe we shouldn't cut a slack. I don't know, but like in a modern movie, like this would feel wrong and weird that he's like keeping her robe from her but this still just feels like kind of funny and well i think it's because charming. we know enough about george that he's a good-natured guy and he might josh a little but in the end he would never yeah, be disrespectful not, yeah he's not actually gonna keep her robe or harm her in any way The good times are interrupted. Uncle Billy just pulled up. Pops had a stroke. At least he had the presence of mind to throw the robe back to Mary. Yeah, he didn't take off with a robe and leave her stranded in a weird neighborhood in the bushes naked. So it looks like George did not go on his trip. No, they jumped to, and they never actually say, I mean, obviously we can surmise it, but they never, like, he had a stroke, but they don't say that he's dead. Well, but clearly he has died. Yeah, well, he has the black mourning band, because back then you had to visibly... Oh, yeah, that's a thing. ...show your mourning. I don't know how long they had to wear that. So with Pop Bailey out of the way, Mr. Pot is trying to move in and dissolve the building alone so he can... I guess they're his only competition three in months. town, so... His dad died three months ago. And so George has had to abandon his plans to leave because he kind of got stuck taking over his dad after all Ernie Bishop that's the cab driver right yep yeah, they gave a loan to the cab driver to build a house. And it's Potter's contention that a cabbie's never going to be able to pay that back, so why are you letting him, uh, what, string you along or something? Like... Well, and Mr. Potter said that he denied Ernie a loan when he went to him, but the building and loan gave him one. He's a very, uh, maybe it's the one sort of criticism, so, at least so far anyway, that I would have about this movie is that Potter is such a cartoonishly evil villain. <laughs> like he's, well, he's a man of like no redeeming. He never has any sort of like, oh, I was wrong. He's not even like 
Scrooge, who, like, you know, There's learns the error of his ways right. and has a heart inside after all. He's just, like, the Grinch before Christmas Day. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just a cartoonishly bad guy. They had to wait and save their money. is really really saying something about capitalism it is it, it feels pertinent to our situation today i, I mean i saw but i suppose this was after the great depression so they had you know a bit of hindsight to go hey maybe bankers don't know what the hell right, they're doing right. and we shouldn't uh, rely on them so completely. Well, it's interesting because I I had read a thing today and I can't remember where when we were sitting waiting in the waiting room earlier about how a person can't get a mortgage to pay, you know, $900 a month on a mortgage because the bank says they don't make enough money yet they're stuck paying over $1,000 in rent. And how much sense does that make? You know, you could be in a better situation paying less on a mortgage. That's why I bought my house. I uh, couldn't find anything cheaper than my mortgage to rent. There's just a bird. There's this crow <laughs> there just is. hanging out in the building alone. Like, what? Is this someone's pet or do they not notice it? He's just He's there. like pecking at a little model, climbing all over. It's weird. Uncle Billy. And now George is getting sucked into staying and not even going to college. Oh, no, he has to make a choice. Yeah, because if he leaves and leaves Billy in charge, Mr. Potty, he's too weak of a man, I guess, to keep Potter at bay, so only George can do it. So Harry, younger brother, is going to go to college instead. Football star. George got four years older. So four years later. He's still got brochures. He's planning to go. Now that Harry's back, Harry can take over. He's got to get out of this town. So, and meanwhile, is is he not... We haven't seen Mary since the night of the day. Has he just, like, forgotten that this girl existed? Well, she probably went off to college, too. Well, yeah, that's true. And here's Harry. He's brought a girl back with girl him. Girl with him. But she's just standing there. Now she gets introduced. They're married. Surprise.
Everybody's so happy. Yeah, and George is so happy for him, even though it's like, this is like another twist of the knife, kind of like, oh, not only did you get to go off to college, but you, like, found this girl and came back married, and I'm still stuck here running this goddamn building alone. And her dad said that she was, he, he was offered a job. So George has another dilemma. Yeah, now do you disrupt your brother's life and future so that you can leave or do you stay on and let him go again? Yeah, I forgot so much of this stuff. Uh-huh. It's funny. The, the, I always think of watching this movie at Christmas time, but we haven't seen anything about Christmas until we won't see it till the end, do we? No, I don't think it's Christmas until the night he's going to jump off the bridge. Yeah. So it's weird that this has become, I mean, I get it, but that this is like officially canonized a for sure Christmas movie. But we're still arguing about whether Die Hard's a Christmas movie, even though that is set entirely <laughs> in Christmas. And a Christmas party, and like. This movie is 15% Christmas, maybe? Yeah. And Uncle Billy. Is sauced. He, uh, he's giving him directions to get home. Big old welcome home party for Harry. I think another thing that makes this hold up as well as it does, which is really well, is that, especially for movies of this time period, all the dialogue and performances feel genuine. Like, nobody's really over the top. The, the dialogue's like conversational it's not like you know speechifying and like overly dramatic I don't know like when he walked up to Ruth at the train station and she's like here have some popcorn which is like a completely unnecessary moment or line that you wouldn't see in a lot of movies from this time period I feel like but it just it's like but it's this conversational like that's what would happen if he yeah. walked up and she had popcorn like I don't know yep Mary Hodge is back from school so she's been off to college <laughs> his mom playing the matchmaker But, like, did she leave for college the next day? Like, how did you... You had such a great date. And, yes, it ended with your father having a stroke and you had to leave. So you were preoccupied for probably the next week. But, like, she never sought him out, like, at all? Is she worried that, like, oh, now I'm going to remind him of his dead father? I don't... I, oh, he, and then there's the Sam Wayne, right? So maybe Sam took her attentions. 
Yeah, her and Sam, I guess, went off to New York. Not together, necessarily, but are maybe in a relationship once they got there. Let's okay, that's two That's two yeah. kisses on your mom's lips. That's... I know some families are like that, but... It's, uh, it's never, a little much. Yeah. Never been one for moms and kids to kiss on the lips. Well, especially... Not, but he's not a little kid. Yeah. He's a grown-ass man. Like, it's a little weird. And she sent him in one direction. He's going in the other... Yeah, he's either gotten over Mary completely or is at least pretending to. Well, it's been four years. Yeah. Well, here's Violet, Violet again. <laughs> who had, like, either had two guys macking on her or she was macking on them. It's hard to tell who was in charge of that situation, but she left them in the dust to go talk to George. supposed to take from this because George is offering Violet the sort of like romantic dates that Mary would eat up obviously and she's freaked out by it like are we she's supposed to surmise from this that she's she's sort of a, a quote unquote loose woman like she's like she's obviously like she's a good person and a sweetheart and she's fine but like she's not interested in dating him she kind of just wants to hook up maybe or she she doesn't want to take off her shoes and dance. She wants to be, I don't know. She wants someone to just try and get at her, maybe. <laughs> what are you doing down there, picketing? mom knows you you walked the other way but she still knew you were gonna wind up here sooner or later yep she's got oh the poster george lasso's the moon which i guess she made yep so and she's an buffalo artist buffalo gals which is just already on the turntable, ready to go. So she, she, she's, she's ready. Either she's obsessed with that song and listens to it every day, or she was ready for this. I think she was ready for it. She she had a plan. Suppose his mom did call ahead. But... Yeah. Get you a woman that looks at you like Mary looks at George. Oh.
So now we're establishing that she loves Bedford Falls. Yeah, it's gonna be a real problem. And he just wants to go. He's kind of being rude. Yeah, I can't tell if he's just going too far and trying to play it cool, or if he literally, like, if he just has, he has so much other shit on his mind and that he can't be bothered <laughs> to deal with this woman anymore. I think he's he's trying to push her away to prove, like, nope, this isn't even gonna hold me to this town. But she doesn't really let him push her away. And Sam and you, so now he's making reference to Sam. And there's her mother. Clearly not happy that George is there. No, mom is definitely on the Sam Wainwright train and does not want to get off. <laughs> Mary's just stirring the pot. That can't count as the foul language, right? It can't. <laughs> she said he's making violent love to me, mother. Which I suppose, I mean, maybe in 1946 was would make you gasp. I don't know. <laughs> but that's not foul language. And this telephone is ringing. She's oh. never going to listen to that song Don't be that anymore. <laughs> now she's taking on George's attitude. Oh, except for she's changing it. She's going to make George. Yeah, she went from, oh, I got to talk to Sam on the phone to, oh, hi, Sam. Oh, it's awfully sweet of you, Sam. Yeah, he bit off more than he could chew with this lady. Yeah. Like, he thought he was going to just come in there, but she's, she's got him. Pegged, man. Well, Sam's got a, another lady there in New York. Why is she crying? <laughs> Mother's on the extension. We can both hear. Come here. Yeah, but why was she crying? I don't know. She was like wiping her eyes like she was crying. And look how close. Is it because she heard that other woman on the other line? But she doesn't seem to, that, like she would care about that. No. No, we, we have the situation where they're physically close because they have to both talk on this phone. Yeah, it's good economy of filmmaking or screenwriting or something because you're you're 
getting across the information that you need to get across through this phone call, but you're also forcing their faces together in close proximity so that they can... sent into stocks. He for sure just smelled her hair. <laughs> yep. And again. escalated quickly. Uh-huh. Oh, but not what you thought. It looked like they're in a kiss, but now he's yelling at her. That's so sad. And now they're making out. <laughs> he's real he does up and down today. Yeah. Oh, her mother. And right in front of mom, too. <laughs> well, that's what you get. <laughs> Now they're married. Oh, it looks like Violet caught the bouquet. And rain. Rain and rice. You're just gonna have wet rice all <laughs> Yeah, oh, that would be awful. <laughs> so now it's just mom bailey and annie the help like living together in this house <laughs> cab drivers giving him a bottle of champagne they got a stack of money as wedding gifts they're gonna be taking it on their honeymoon New York and Bermuda so he's gonna get to have it all he's gonna get to do his traveling but then also the wife and come back and something's going uh -oh. on at the bank is it the stock market crash now depression coming honeymoon cancelled Which do you want? Because, like, if you'd listen to her and left, like, the town falls apart. 
but because he leaves to go help the people at the building alone, they don't get their honeymoon, and he never gets out of this town ever. Right. <laughs> like, the gates are locked. Like not even to visit. Yeah. There's the crow. Yeah, that bird just lives in the building alone, I guess. Matilda Bailey? Who's that? Is that is that mom? Maybe. She has a desk at the I don't guess know. she works there too. Unless that's Billy's wife or something. I don't know. So it's the big market crash. It's the start of the Great Depression. I guess the building alone had to take out a loan from the... From Potter's Bank. Potter's calling. And Potter's gonna call that loan up. Do you need any police? But now he's going to uh, offer his benevolent services. So Potter didn't run the bank before. He just bought it out now. I always assumed that he, you know, he was just rich some other way. So they close their doors before six. They're just done. undercut don't worry it's not bad police sirens oh here comes Mary so the mob wants their not the mob but the all the towns, all the customers of the building alone want their, want their money back. Money out because they're panicky. The problem is, is that the building loan doesn't actually have that money because they take people's money and loan it out to someone else, and then they take that person's money and loan it out to someone else, and that's how they've been. And then it sounds like the building bank, the community. The bank called them up on their what they owed the bank, and so they had to pay the bank, so they don't have any money. So Potter's going to buy their shares for 50 cents on the dollar. 
which they'd rather do than wait 60, like just wait 60 days and get all your money. Half an hour, wait two, I mean, I know, I mean, I guess you gotta live for two months, but. Potter owns like everything in town except the building. It sounds like it. The good news is that George has established himself as someone you can trust. So when he's talking, talking you down off the ledge, you listen. And it helps, oh, here goes their honeymoon money. They have $2,000 in honeymoon money, and they're going to spread it out amongst these people enough just to get them by. So goodbye honeymoon for sure. got 2,000 to go around and everybody's asking for 200, 300 a piece. Like I just asked for 20. Well, but he had to talk them down from 300. Right. He's like, what do you need for like right now though? Yep. Seventeen fifty. <laughs> that was sweet. <laughs> Six o'clock, are they out of money? No, they have two bucks left. Two bucks. Tilly, he called that woman Tilly. She must be Matilda Bailey, a relative. Yeah, it must be Billy's wife or... Some relative. Maybe it's an aunt, 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 aunt Matilda, I don't know. <laughs> They're all dancing. In hopes that money will have sex. <laughs> Free, it doesn't work that way. Into the no city. wonder your building and loan is going out of, in danger of going out of business. You think money just procreates. Okay, the bird just flew and landed on Billy, so it must be his bird. <laughs> They're there at three twenty sycamore. Do you got any romance in you? Some Bert and Ernie are help. 
helping to set up the decrepit old mansion that they threw rocks at when they were younger as like their honeymoon getaway this is their honeymoon what are they ducks but who I mean, I'm sure it was a steal because it's been abandoned for 20 years, but who, like, who bought them this house? They just used all their money. <laughs> well, it's abandoned, so maybe... <laughs> There's a lot of hat business going on. <laughs> That's cute. Maybe she just said, we're just going to set up shop here and figure it out later. Well, because this winds up being their house. It does. So maybe they just bought it later on and fixed it up. It's a mess. It's oh, leaking and... Water everywhere. Well, She's, there's a bed. There's a bed. That's the important <laughs> thing for honeymoon, I guess. It just struck you, dude. What a way to start your marriage. But it's that down home charm of like, yeah. you know. We don't need much. Travel got posters. Beautiful tables. The top setting. of their wedding cake. Two birds. <laughs> They've turned the record player into a rotisserie. It's very clever. She's got the right idea. All we need is food and a bed. <laughs> yep. For honeymoon boom boom and we're good to go. <laughs> yep. Even if we're getting rained on. There's the end of the record. <laughs> Time to go, you pervs. Oh, Mary. the Jimmy Stewart everyone oh. everyone will try to do this is what she wished for that night that and the Merry Christmas save me the I don't yep. even try to do the voice that time but <laughs> these two old guys are funny more hat business. What's going on here? We got some like Martini is moving. Martini and his like Dust Bowl family. <laughs> this is where's this supposed to be? This is like New England somewhere, right? I don't. I guess know we never know. They're moving, they're helping Martini and his large family of children move out of this 
And their goat. Dump they've been ran and their goat. Dump they've been renting from Potter because they've now got enough thanks to the building and loan, they've got enough to buy their own house. And off they go. To Bailey Park. Yeah, the building alone has turned things around enough. I guess we don't know how much time has passed since the big market crash and the Great Depression, but they've turned things around enough that they've built, like, this whole subdivision of, like, I'm guessing, well, not, well, I was going to say low-income housing. They don't, I mean, they look like nice houses, but they must be affordable for all the people in the town. Martini Castle. <laughs> so they're explaining to Potter. Bailey Park is dozens of pretty little homes. Well, now it's cutting it to Potter's bottom line because all these people who used to pay him rent now own their own homes thanks to George and Mary. And... Henry Potter, not Harry Potter, but that would have been. And of course, he has a painting of himself on the wall because he's that kind of guy. <laughs> oh, it's Sam Wainwright. He seems to have settled down perhaps as well. Sam's super rich now because he he's taking a trip to Florida he got in on the ground floor of I guess plastics and he offered George the chance and George turned it down for whatever reason so they could have been rich too but they're rich in spirit I guess getting in his old car he's still got some of that anger Jack yeah, because Sam had his Snazzy brand new car. I guess we haven't really considered what dreams Mary has abandoned. I mean, other than to marry George Bailey, which was her dream when she was a toddler. <laughs> but, <laughs> but she went to college. What did she want to do now? She's like, but she's thrown herself wholeheartedly into team Bailey you know like she's there right at his side and helping him with the building and loan stuff and that's how it was back then
Mr. Potter trying to woo George. Also, you can definitely tell when a movie has been, like, lovingly restored and maintained. Like, I guess they knew instantly that this was a forever classic or something. Because if you look at $2 Better, which we watched, you know, it got a bit grainy and spotty. Like, that's a movie that clearly no one cared about and no one has bothered to ever refurbish or... And this isn't, like, 4K or anything necessarily, but... It's very clear. It's very clear, very clean, black and white. Like, the contrast is great, the black and whites. Like, it's it's clearly been given some restoration and care over the decades. He's making reference to George's age, that he's 28 years old. Mr. Potter's smart. He's got George figured out. He knows what is upsetting him and what he has dreamt to do. He's kind of been watching from afar all these years. Well, we haven't... <clears throat> there hasn't been any discussion or any reference in an obvious way about Mary being pregnant or anything, but when they were talking to Sam a minute ago, she did, like, the hand on her own stomach thing, but it was really subtle. Like, they didn't draw attention to it, but it was a very familiar... Familiar because you've seen me do it? <laughs> because I've seen... <laughs> yeah, but it's also... But it's, like, universal movie language for... Right. I'm right. pregnant. It's just the way she had her hand on her own belly, but they didn't draw any attention to it, so it's... And now he's being offered $20,000 a year, which is a lot of money back then. Yeah, well, how much? I'm going to run this through a, this a little inflation calculator. $20,000 a year in 19, I don't know what, 38? So, 38 we're going to look up? I'm guessing that's around what year it is, probably. And we want to put $20,000? Yeah, $20,000. Is that... No, that's too much. Nope, okay, I thought that you had to put the extra zeros on there. Well, we don't want that much either. Scintillating podcasting as we <laughs> look up an inflation calculator. $371,000 a year for three years. So he would be, he would be a millionaire at that point. Wow. But he's turning it down. Because fuck you, Mr. Potter. He's a scurvy little spider. Is that the swearing, the language? 
I guess. <laughs> Is it weird that I swear on a commentary track for the, <laughs> the most wholesome movie of all time? Maybe. And there he is at his old broken down house that they're living in as they renovate. Dust of this crummy little town off his feet never happened. Um, you can't give her the moon. He promised her the moon, but all they have is this worn down house. But she looks so happy. I don't think she cares. <laughs> to keep from being an old maid. Now she's telling him. So it was very shallow, 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 subtle foreshadowing. What is this <laughs> string hanging down over their bed? I think it's to, to go to a light. light? On. Yeah. That's annoying, right? Where you sit up in bed. Oh, little boy. And then a girl. Well, that, okay, we're jumping, we're jump cutting through time very quickly here because they went from here's your first baby to now we have a second baby. They're still working on this house. This uh, knob on the banister. Yeah. Is it a newel post? What do they call that? I, don't I have know. no idea. Oh, wartime. But that banister will come up a couple more times. Two more babies and running the USO. Wow, she's busy. Oh, of course he was. Potter was head of the draft board. Perfect guy for it. Both went off to war. Harry went off to war. Shot down 15 planes. And saved a transport full of U.S. soldiers. But they all came back from the war. Yep. He and George couldn't go to war because of his hear hearing, his ears, bad ear. Yeah, but that means if Mr. Potter was in charge of the draft board... That means he declared George F4. Well, you have to have a medical exam. I suppose. You, you, you would think he would want to be like, no, send George send to George war. Away. Get yeah. him out of my way, finally. 
No, you have to pass a medical exam. They don't no, that's true. let you just in. Because you might have bone spurs. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so now it's Christmas Eve. At what point in this movie? <laughs> Over an hour in? Yeah. And Harry's coming home a war here. He's got the Congressional Medal of Honor. George looks a little older, some gray in his hair. Well, that was the sign I saw at the beginning. It's like, what's that sign? Yeah. Because we're caught up to the present now. This guy he went and bought up every newspaper in town to hand out to people about his little brother. Auditors here. Surely that's okay. If there's one thing we know about George Bailey, he's a honest man of the people. There's no way he's doing any shady business. Uncle Billy at the bank making a deposit. $8,000. Oh, bust that calculator out again. Well, it'll be know, less what, than... What year was that, the end of the war? 47? I don't remember. I should know this. Yeah, we should know that. We're bad Americans. We're, I'm, especially since I'm yeah. Okay. So this ain't the 107,000 in modern. And he's got modern. it in this envelope and he's talking to Mr. Potter, looking at his newspaper, and he folds it up with the money in the newspaper and hands it to Potter. What a dum dum. Yeah, that's why Uncle Billy couldn't. Yeah, that's, that's why you were not allowed to run the building alone. Forgot something. Uh oh. And they must know him very well because he's asking, What about that finger there? 
on Mr. Potter's discovered the eight thousand. Like I get he's a forgetful guy, but like li- it was literally ten seconds ago. You have to be able to remember. Okay, I wa- if it's not on the floor in the ten feet I walked over here, Potter must have it. <laughs> yeah, you can't be that dumb. The building alone still has to go... Yeah, because I suppose they're still under this loan from the bank that Potter took over. But yeah. the fact that they still have to bring their deposit to the actual bank bank. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is like... It's like one-third romantic comedy one third financial business dealings and you forget how much of it is that angle and then not even a third is what the part that everybody knows the and it kind of shows a nice little section of history too George just gave the last of his cash to his old friend, Violet, who's getting out of town. She's chewed this town up and spit it out. She's got nowhere else to go. And she gives him a kiss, leaves her lipstick on his cheek. (laughs) Nobody even cares. That's the character of George Bailey that everyone, like, he can come out of the office with this woman of, I don't want to say ill repute, but she has, you know. She has a reputation. <laughs> she has a bit of a reputation probably around town, and he's come out of their office from a closed-door meeting with lipstick on his cheek, and nobody's like, hey, asshole, what do you think? They're all like, oh, we get it. Like, there's no question that George isn't doing anything shady. Why is this bank examiner out on Christmas Eve at the end of the day? I suppose. Trying to get his last business in before the holiday. I guess. It was a real concern because $2 better had the same kind of a plot element of the auditors coming to the bank and he's going to find out that this money is missing and like. Yeah. Oh, this is the sad part. I think George has got so much anger built up inside and Uncle Billy gets it. Laura, Laura was his wife. Yeah, so then Matilda must be an aunt or something. Yeah. And give it up for Jimmy Stewart, because he sells, like, he sells the charm, and he sells the, you know, but, man, he sells mad, too. 
Like, he doesn't look like somebody you'd want to mess with when he's angry. Like, <laughs> oh, he will shake you. <laughs> he's got animals all over his house. Yeah, he's got a squirrel and a bird. What is this dude's deal? Four kids running around this house. Yep. So we got Pete is the firstborn, the oldest boy. Janie plays Janie the piano. Janie plays the piano. We know Zuzu's sick upstairs because we've seen it before. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who's this little kid? He's so cute. We don't know his name. Pete is named after George's father, Peter Bailey. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> she knows something is wrong. Well, he's having a meltdown. <laughs> he's crying. Oh, here's a little boy putting tinsel on his head. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It's adorable. Boy, you can't say nothing to this guy. He's gonna turn on you and yell at you. I burped. sick the doctor came over but i suppose this was in the time when polio was a big deal so if your kid got sick you probably had a great deal of anxiety about it well now he's bitching about the house being drafty and you know zuzu's sick because she walked she didn't want to button her coat and crush a flower she had so she walked home all unbuttoned and stuff. So now she's got a cold. There's that oh, He's about to put it through a wall, man. He's had it. This little girl is so cute. Zeus's petals. 
there. He fixes it for her. Oh. We put those pedals in his pocket, which is super important. He must be the favorite. This little girl? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was taking it out on all the other kids downstairs. <laughs> not her. But not her. He's nothing but sweet to her. Oh, boy, did you call it the wrong time, yep. Teach. reading this teacher the riot act some displaced aggression yep I'm sure that won't come back to bite you in the ass. <laughs> Tommy. Tommy's the kid. Oh, boy. No, oh, he's really No, he's it. smashing stuff up. his little boy's face. <laughs> they just have a painting of Abe Lincoln on the wall. Yeah. That's weird. What's the matter with everybody? A lunatic came home. He was <laughs> fine this morning. Probably, I mean, they've probably never seen him mad before, so now suddenly to have him be very mad out of nowhere it right. must be very disconcerting. Off to see Mr. Potter. Oh, and you know you're rock bottom when you're crawling to Mr. Potter to ask for help. 
all these reporters and the DA's looking for him too. Potter looks pleased. But George, even in this state, like, it's like the worst moment of his life. He's still not throwing Uncle Billy under the bus. Like, he's taking the blame for losing, like, somehow misplacing eight grand. a two dollar better thing too we're like oh i'm gonna call my brother but oh but i can't because he's in europe he's gonna bring me the money but he was in hawaii he was yeah he's somewhere else interesting i don't remember which one came out first it'd be weird to think that it wouldn't be weird to think that two dollar better ripped off this movie it would be weird to think that this movie ripped off two dollar better So three years later. Yeah. Oh, see? Two dollar better, borrowing heavily from It's a Wonderful Life. Still, we're an hour and a half into this movie, and Clarence has not returned yet. <laughs> <laughs> They're still giving the backstory. So now Mr. Potter is calling in. But I suppose you had to have, and I'm wondering. I'm actually wondering if that's why we didn't see any angel in the beginning and it was just that thing with the stars if it was because if that was added like last minute oh, i wonder if the original version of this was it's this normal movie and then an angel just appears out of nowhere and they went what <laughs> I don't know. and so they had to add in the angel stuff at the beginning so I that they could know. call it, it back. was based on a, a book in the beginning credits. yeah i've never read the book but Martini's bar. Yeah. Yeah, Martini, who he helped get out of that rat hole, was prospered enough to start his own bar. Bailey, which Bailey? Wrong place, wrong time, buddy. 
Now he's going to get it for Mr. Oof. Welsh. Well, don't yell at a man's wife on the phone. But everybody's sending him <laughs> for George. Yeah, well, they don't know what happened. They didn't hear that phone call. I just assume this guy's an old bastard. But now they're, Martini's going to ban the teacher's husband from the bar forever, even though he was kind of in the right. Well, they don't know that. No, but they don't know the situation. Oh, this drunk. Plowing his troop car into a tree. Here comes this guy out of his house. Well, he didn't like the car anyway, so... Damaged an old tree. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do some research later and, and find out. Cause I'm honest, I would not be surprised if the angel stuff at the beginning was added last minute. I don't know. Hard to tell. Cause there's such a long span between the beginning and when we see him again that it really makes me. Like, I could see if it was originally, like, surprise, Angel. So, for me, like, because then the audience wouldn't know what was going on with Clarence at first, which would kind of make it a cooler mystery. Yeah. If you found out, if you didn't know from the first scene that it was an angel that you're dealing with, that would actually kind of be cool. Here's Clarence. He just appeared on the bridge. Yeah. I did see a stage version of this years ago, and I don't remember if they had... The angels in the beginning. But I could not. see if they had to add it in because yeah. studio people or, I don't know if they did test audiences back then, but if somebody looked at it, I was like, who's this? There's, now there's an angel in this movie for no reason? Yeah, yeah. So they had to set it up a little bit. I'm going to look into it because that's an interesting concept to me that there might be, you know, a very different version of this movie that it could have been. Right. There's a bridge keeper. George has saved Clarence. His hat's still on. Yeah, I don't know if this is a very good plan. Clarence's part, because you just, so you jumped into the freezing water and now this, in hopes that this guy's gonna jump in and save you. But, I'm sure, I don't think jumping off, uh, clearly jumping from that height wouldn't have killed George anyway because he jumped in the water to save Clarence. Yeah. Unless the idea was I'll just sink in my wet clothes and drown and freeze to death. Right. It wasn't going to be the impact that killed him. It was going to be. But what if George up. jumped in to save you and drowned? <laughs> like, then right. you really screwed the pooch, Clarence. Right.
Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into it because now and now, more as every minute goes by, I'm more obsessed with the idea that there's a version of this movie where the first, like that line right there, was like, "Where are you from?" Oh, I'm from heaven, and that's the first clue you ever get in the as an audience member that this guy's an angel. You'd be like, "What the fuck is going yeah. on? Is this guy just crazy or what?" That almost is a more interesting version of this movie. <laughs> bridge keepers. This place shall be haunted. He's rather be out in the storm than with an angel second class. And or a crazy person. Right. He might have wings, but it's fly with those eyebrows. Holy cow. Yep. I'm just wondering what Clarence's plan is here. So he saved George from suicide. But how else is he supposed to... He really doesn't have any other plan, does he? Until George says what he says coming up. Yeah, I think the plan was just to stop him from killing himself. Right. But you're not solving the root of the problem, and as soon as you leave, he might do it again, so... Right. And now he knows the bridge ain't gonna work, so he might come up with something a little more permanent. Right. So I don't think, until George says, I wish I'd never been born, or I'd be better off dead, I don't think that Clarence had thought of that. Now we're just enjoying the movie, <laughs> not talking. It's a good ass movie, man. It's a classic for a reason. It holds up really well. Oh, there it is. I wish I never even been born. Yeah, Clarence just got that idea, so I don't think that was the plan from the start. Obviously, the plan was just to save him. But now, he can warp the time-space continuum to teach him a lesson. And it's done subtly, too. There's no, like, doodly-doo, doodly-doo, doodly-doo. It's just the wind blows the door open, and now suddenly... He can hear out of his bad ear, and there's no blood on his lip. Like, it happened just like that. It's pretty subtle.
And you can't bleed if you're not alive. Clothes are dry. Car's gone. Tree's not hurt anymore. Pottersville. Oh, truly, this is the darkest timeline. See, to this point, how many clues do you need to figure this out? Because, like, I understand that the idea that you are now have shifted into an alternate <laughs> Earth <laughs> dark mirror dimension place, but you know, like you can hear again, your lips stop bleeding, your clothes were dry, the car is gone, the tree is fine, and the town has a different name. How many more signs do you need that something is amiss? Martini doesn't own the bar, it's Nick who owns the bar. Which they should have seen the sign when they walked up. But... serve drinks like that. Nick's a bit of a rougher character than he's used to. Even here in this headspace that George is in at rock bottom, he still cares for other people. Like, he's still worried about this nutcase and where he's, if he's got somewhere to sleep tonight or not. Oh, every time you hear a bell, an angel gets his wings. Classic.
this is the line that I say a lot in my day to day life. Not day to day, but at least every once every couple months. Out you pixies go through the door or out the window. You'd be surprised how often it comes up. <laughs> oh. oh, the dark timeline just gets darker and darker. Poor old Mr. Gower never had little George Bailey to save him. So he went to prison for poisoning a kid, and now he's just a drunk old homeless guy. And everything is worse. He's got newspapers shoved in his jacket to keep warm. Finally getting it. <laughs> Enough clues. I just wonder why he didn't notice he didn't have stuff in his pockets when he was getting his clothes back on. butterfly effect stuff going on I suppose this borrows a little bit from a Christmas carol in the idea of like I mean that wasn't what a Scrooge is never born it's you know if you don't shape up the future is dark, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's Pottersville. It's not Bedford yeah. Falls. Ooh. But a movie that I think people need to remember borrows conceptually very heavily from this is Back to the Future 2. Yep. Like, Biff Tannen is Mr. Potter. <laughs> Hill Valley and Bedford Falls have now become Pottersville and a tannin town or whatever the hell shit all that place was lots of cl 
clubs and stuff in this town now. It's not the wholesome place it used to be. No, it's like 80s Times Square. Lights flashing. Lots of dance halls. Here's Violet. Getting arrested for, I guess, ripping off a sailor on shore leave. So her her life is <laughs> taking a dark but perhaps inevitable turn. He's driving around with the windows down in the winter. Park is Potter's Field. <laughs> he's flagging down Bert the cop because he's got a crazy one in his cab. You better follow me. I don't know where this is going. The abandoned house is still just an abandoned house. just bamfed into the room. That's the first time we've seen him use those. Like overtly of. supernatural. Yeah. I mean, other than bending the space-time continuum. Right, right. <laughs> we'll take you to a doctor. the cop. Joseph, Joseph. Joseph. Oof. Oh, you banned back out. I need a drink. <laughs> I've seen some shit. Ma Bailey's boarding house. This was without George around to help her out. She had to resort to renting out the house. Well, this was not just George. She wouldn't have had wouldn't have had Harry, Harry either died. because Harry would have died in the the creek, pond. the frozen pond.
Billy's in an insane asylum. His face. doesn't exist. Just the cemetery. top of that, if Harry died as a kid, he wasn't there in the war to save that transfer, transport full of soldiers, so they all died a too. bunch of people died just because George wasn't around. Though I would question, not to be, you know, too deeply nitpicky, but it seemed like Harry was the kid brother who was hanging out with George and his older friends. Yeah. So if George wasn't around, would Harry have been oh. even been at the lake to fall in or the pond to fall in the ice? Who knows? And if George hadn't been around, would Harry have come along at the same, you know, been conceived at the same time? Who knows? You would think that their life would change enough that, but that's getting real. <laughs> yeah. In the weeds about it. Connorsville Public Library. Here comes Mary. She never had George. So she's a dowdy old maid. Scared of her own shadow. But, like, the notion that... <laughs> that if he weren't around... Like, she wouldn't have gotten with Sam or... Right. Like, if he weren't around, it's impossible that she could have found a husband. Like, give me a break. Yeah, she's this beautiful woman. Right. It's like the idea of we've been watching Cougar Town, and it's changed a bit as the show's gone on, but the first, the first half of that first season, the whole concept of the show is that 40-year-old Courtney Cox couldn't walk into any room anywhere on the planet and get any man she wants instantly she has like struggles dating like give me a break right she's an old maid at <laughs> what 35 years old back then there's open fire on george right in this town yeah not much has changed Off to the bridge. But this went by so fast. Like again, you've you've your recollection of the movie is that it's a big chunk of the movie, this dark timeline stuff, but it's not it's, it's like not. fifteen minutes and it's <laughs> we should have paid attention to when it started, see just how long it really is. 
He wants to live again. Here comes the snow. Police car. And he's back. They're calling for George. His lip is bleeding. <laughs> Never been so happy to have a busted lip. Susan's petals. <laughs> There's his car. Bedford Falls. Oh, he's so happy. Oh, he's cheering. And so it's, yeah. We're in a Christmas movie house. <laughs> Happy New Year to you in jail. <laughs> Everyone's pretty confused. They were not expecting this. Happy to have a warrant for his arrest. Don't you love that knob now? Yep. <laughs> the thing that I don't understand is everybody leaves that door open when they come in. Like, <laughs> that, uh, yeah. Well, with the gray on the sides like that, Jimmy Stewart would have made a real good uh, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, and yeah. A fantastic Four. Everybody's come to his rescue. Oh, 
all the people he's helped are now yep. returning the favor. Telegram from old Hee Haw Sam Wainwright. 25 cents? 25 grand. So That's a lot of money. Covered enough to get him out of hot water and then and more then on stuff. top of that. Yeah. Now will you take a goddamn vacation and go I know, <laughs> right? Just to get it out of your system so you can stop being such a mope about it. amazing you still but if i'm mary you still need to take this you need to take george to see somebody the next day because something's up with this guy yeah yeah because <laughs> he was fine when he left this morning then he came home like an abusive that he wasn't even drunk but like an abusive drunk who's like yelling at you and the kids and smashing shit then he runs away and then he comes back happy again like he's having an episode and you need to yeah. get him checked out yeah especially when <laughs> if he has the balls to try to tell you that there's a, an angel involved and all this other stuff like <laughs> yeah the richest man in town A little more magic. Clarence, Clarence is Tom me. Sawyer signed, not by Mark Twain, but by, by Clarence. forget that it's not god it's this joseph and franklin yeah. angels that sent clarence and that he keeps talking to he's never like calling on god to help him well george prays, like praise to god yeah, yeah but it's the angels that do all the work sounds about I right i still think that's one of the cutest kids ever zuzu and um, the boy's cute too the little oh, boy he's so cute. excuse me excuse me 
<laughs> and we're back to the battle, the end. That's it. We did it. What a classic. Oh, a legit classic. Movie. It I works so it. well. It holds up so well. Like never gets old. You'd have to be a real sad, cynical fuck to not, right, to not love, love that, that movie. movie. Like it's legit so good. Oh, and that'll do it. Our first full-length commentary. We'll do another one at episode 50 and 75 and 100 and just a little something special every 25 like comic books do time to press the magic button and see what next week's normal with notes not a couple back we're back to normal next next episode oh we got two hours and a quarter yeah this was two and a quarter i thought it would be over two and a half but yeah we did it we did it. All right, time to push the magic button to see what movie completely at random from everything streaming will be the movie for next week. And it is... Grace on... Unpl- oh, my God, it's another... This will be our third Christian movie. <laughs> the second one with Grace in the title. Grace Unplugged. It's on H- HBO Max. It's not even on, like... Amazon or Tubi, so this is like maybe a legit movie, but it definitely look, yeah, it's a Christian movie. Kevin Pollock's in it, and Shawnee Smith. Hmm, I wonder. I'm betting it's not good, but it might be a step up from Saving Grace, which was a truly bizarre piece of work. Well, uh, yeah. That's your homework for next week. Grace Unplugged on HBO Max. And um, thanks for listening. If you did, hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you enjoyed It's a Wonderful Life. If you don't already do that every year, as it is. Um, and that'll be it for me. Yeah. And from you. And from me. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye.